Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Hey everyone, it's Bird. Before we uh, get into the episode, which is the new Power Rangers movie, just a quick disclaimer. We hit it pretty hard and heavy with the spoilers right away. Um, So unless you have seen the movie or just don't care, um, I wouldn't recommend listening until um, you've seen it. Also, I do want to mention... just while I'm here, quick thank you to everyone that participated in our Godzilla ranking poll last month. Um, and uh, coming up very soon, we will have our episode with our uh, the results from the data that was um, collected during that time. And uh, anyway, so that's all I have, and uh, enjoy the episode. Take care. guys so if you weren't ready be ready ready. we're ready okay well welcome to the kaiju transmissions podcast as always i'm your host kyle bird with me uh is my co-host everybody it's matt that's matt uh and back again uh is trev say hello Hello. Who uh, hosts co-hosts a podcast with me called If It Bleeds, We Can Kill It. He also hosts a uh, X-Men podcast. What's that podcast called, Trev? That is called Days of Future Podcast. And that that's uh, where you can find him. Uh, he has been with, uh, this is like your like third or fourth <laughs> episode in a row here. Um, yeah, I promise I'll get out of here for a while after this. But Well, but maybe not, actually, no. come to think of it. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah you're i don't know yeah you're you're just whatever you know we like having you so you know mm-hmm. i mean you know pull and up. i don't know about you guys but uh i could really go for some donuts right now oh yeah you know dude I mean? this episode is brought to you by Krispy cream i don't know if they know that um <laughs> so don't like tell them and uh you can like us on facebook Look for Kaiju Transmissions. You can follow us on Twitter at KT underscore podcast. And you can send us an email at kaijutransmissions at gmail.com. And leave us some nice comments or some mean comments, whatever. Uh, And a rating on iTunes. 
and good things will come your way. Uh, so, cash prizes. Um, cash money. There are rumors, but I cannot confirm or deny that they will actually get anything. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, um, we are here to talk about the Power Rangers movie that was just released. However, I believe. I believe you mean Saban's Power Rangers. Ah, yes. Fool- silly me. Um, I really, but you know, I feel like we should talk about uh, some news. Matt, do you think we should talk about some news? I mean, there's probably been some. some there's been some pretty. There's probably some. There's been some pretty big news, right? I have some Power Ranger related news too. After some other news that you you're getting news. I, I, I don't know. There's Power Rangers news also. Okay, all right. I guess there's uh, there's a lot of news. So uh, I think we should talk about Godzilla, the anime, right? Because okay. that was that was like the big thing at the the Anime Japan convention or whatever. Uh, now, as many know, there's an animated Godzilla movie coming up. So uh, first of all, it was announced that after its theatrical run in Japan, it's going to be hitting Netflix globally. Um, which is awesome. Netflix are really like just seem to be obtaining everything at this point. Uh, it really makes you want. Doesn't that make you guys wonder like how much longer we're even gonna be like going to going movie to theaters? theaters? <laughs> yeah, but man, you can't beat the theater experience. I feel like theaters will hopefully be around for a long time because the the screen, the the sound systems, you just can't. Oh you no, can't beat I, that. I, I'm with you, but like it makes me wonder like the the. The movies they they're starting to make, I wonder like, because you know, we, movies are made with the big screen in mind. So do they like shoot them to be like more of like a small screen experience? I don't know. Well, Travis, but like you, Netflix really hasn't jumped into that kind of territory yet, right? Like they yeah. picked up um, well, well, Spectral, which was meant to be a summer kind of blockbuster from Legendary, and then they kind of wisely put it on Netflix because I don't think it would have been a big hit in the theaters. But other than that. I think that I don't think theaters are going anywhere because of the fact that Hollywood is only kind of obsessed with big blockbusters. But I do think Netflix is definitely becoming where we'll turn for all this kind of like mid-budget level stuff, and that's fine by me. Well, like that Will Smith one—that's like a that's like a big blockbuster. Like, did they? Yeah, but I mean, do you think they're going to make a bunch of those a year? I bet there's going to be like a few a year. You know, they just picked up something else too. Oh, the the guy that made the raid. His new movie is coming straight to Netflix, too. Point is, Netflix mm-hmm. is everywhere. Um, the other big news, uh, well, I guess I guess it's being called Godzilla Monster Planet, at least for the time being, until Toho decides to have come up with some other goofy title to use. So, Godzilla Monster Planet, excuse me, uh, was also announced as a trilogy of movies. Um, and from what I understand, the whole thing is is written... At this point, um, so that's exciting. Also, was released was the uh, plot synopsis, which sounds very, very interesting. Um, did either of you happen to take a look at that at all? Nope, of course I did. <laughs> Trev's a Trev's a crappy kaiju fan, so. I don't. I don't expect. I'm him a to casual read. kaiju fan. I don't really. Well, I mean, Trev, I'll watch Trev, it when it comes on. But Trev, they both I, start with the word C. I think it's the same. You think kaiju starts with C? What? Oh, casual oh man, crappy. <laughs> Never mind. 
Anyway, well, um, they they released the plot synopsis and the timeline of events that take place before the story, which, you know, we don't have to get into, but the story is more or less, it's a, um, it's like a Pacific Rim type scenario where monsters just are appearing and it's in the future, um, and, uh, you know, mankind is losing, however, they, uh, decide to see, uh, if they can colonize other planets, so it's very, very sci-fi, and, uh, the, the, the big group of colonists, um, are sent to this planet to see if it's, they can inhabit it, and, uh, they find that they can't, and when they come back, it's kind of like a Planet of the Apes thing where, uh, uh, it, they get back to Earth, and it's 20,000 years later, and the Earth is overcome by giant monsters, and Godzilla is, like, the top of the food chain. And that's that's the premise for this three-part animated uh, uh, epic. Um, Trev, what do you think of that? Uh, it doesn't really sound like something that necessitates three movies uh, right off the bat, but... Sounds all right. I mean, I you know, like I said, I'd be interested in it no matter what, just because I'm interested in the general idea of a Godzilla anime. Um, but yeah, I guess, do, do you guys think that the anime series is going to be where we need to turn now for like the crazier sci-fi elements of this series? Since it looks like, you know, I think the movies so. are content like, to just um, have board meetings and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, I like that they're going to like, uh, going back to like a super sci-fi element, like, you know, they're dropping, you know, the I guess grounded approach of Shin Godzilla's board meetings and, uh, you know, the I guess the the kind of Spielbergian nature of the legendary stuff. Um, and I mean, you can see like they also put out like the character bios and stuff, and like there's different like species of aliens, and it, it's it's more like it's, I don't like that. I don't like when I got to do homework for a movie before I go see it. <laughs> well, I'm sure you'll be introduced through to these concepts throughout the course of the the film. So, um, but also on there is like the timeline. Uh, I don't know. Some people are weird about it, and I, I don't know how heavily it circulated in English places like speaking places yet but uh some really interesting monsters being thrown in some some pretty deep cuts in the from the toho uh catalog so non-godzilla kaiju uh yeah yeah um but uh no it'll it'll be exciting and um we uh technically that means we have what five godzilla movies in actively in development right now so after after the legendary thing is over, I mean, if they if they take a break, you know, I think we've had plenty. Um, so there's that. Uh, now, Matt, you said there was some Power Rangers information you wanted to relay. Is this? Yeah. So th- this is about that relevant. murderer. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> we talked about that in the previous uh, previous yeah. episode. Uh, so did you guys know that Jason David Frank was thrown out of the premiere for Power Rangers? So, whoa, whoa, wait. Wait, no. Wait, what happened? <laughs> apparently, apparently, he was a Hollywood reporter is reporting that uh, he was, like, in the theater trying to record his cameo from his cell phone through the movie and, like, got thrown out. <laughs> what? Because he was... I, I, I believe that because um, in preparation for this episode, I kind of fell down a rabbit hole watching a lot of like Power Rangers-related videos on YouTube this week. 
and I came across his video where he was filming himself all day, getting like dressed for their premiere and then filming himself and taking selfies on the red carpet. And he did have some shots inside the theater when the director, uh, Dean Israelite was announcing the film. So yeah, I'm, that's definitely true. I'm good. So. <laughs> <laughs> they like, they like, I guess security didn't realize who he was or something. And <laughs> or I mean, they I did. mean, didn't care. Yeah, it could be that. And it, yeah, he got thrown out before his own, which is dumb because like there's nothing at the at that point that movie's over. Why, why toss him out like with five seconds left of the movie? I, but I guarantee you, though, uh, knowing what I know about Jason David Frank and what I've seen of him recently, I guarantee you, as he's being escorted out, he was yelling, "Don't you know who I am? I'm Jason David Frank." Do you think he like tried to challenge them to a fight like during that oh, whole thing? It's <laughs> odd now. He's gonna he's gonna challenge them to MMA MMA fights for two years now. It's gonna be bad. <sighs> Yeah, so that, that's my uh, little Power Rangers news. We probably should have done news. a spoiler alert before we did that. Oh, there! Listen, this is a spoilery podcast. If you're listening to this and you haven't seen the movie, we're only ten minutes two. in, though. We gotta like get. What if this is someone's first episode? They don't know that. Now I'm gonna have to go and add a spoiler warning. You're just making my life difficult, man. Yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> um. Well, on that note, yes. Uh, for those of you not familiar, this is a spoiler review. Um, if you haven't seen the movie or and don't want to know anything, you should probably see it and then come back. But if you don't care, or if you've seen it already, do stay. Uh, so, um, any, any more... Uh, you know what, really quickly, Trev, we should update people. Um, and say that, uh, we, you know, we heard, we heard you loud and clear and we checked out the first two episodes of Power Rangers RPM, didn't we, Trev? We did. We, you know, so Bird and I have actually been, we were getting kind of pumped for the movie coming out and we started watching random episodes of random Power Rangers shows because I think both of us hadn't really dipped into a lot of later ones. So we're like, let's just, you know, put our toes in the water a little bit here in each of them. And, you know, it was always like a, a goofy, fun 20 minutes. And then we heard through the grapevine that apparently RPM was a, a fan favorite. Um, I also wanted to check it out because I'm a really big fan of Rose McIver from iZombie. So we're like, well, it's okay. Let's try this one. Let's actually, and this one, we're like, let's actually watch the pilot. Because if this one's good, maybe we'll actually, you know, want to keep going with it. And the pilot was so awesome that we ended up watching the second episode right after. And I think we now, us and all of our other friends who are in the room have just determined, let's just watch this whole thing. Let's just go through and do this season because it was a lot of fun. And it, it, it was, um, I don't know, like, Bird, you would agree, right? It still felt like Power Rangers, but you can see why it would be a fan favorite. Yeah. Like, it felt it felt a little bit more mature <laughs> to a certain degree <laughs> and just it it felt like bigger you know like that's what i kind of took from it it felt more kind of epic even in just two episodes well it's weird it's it's supposed it was i guess conceived to be the last series so it takes place in the future yeah. and it's like this mad max like type post-apocalyptic world yeah like, like the first half machines. of the first episode really feels kind of like um really mature and kind of, you know, the, the world building is pretty, is pretty, um, epic and big. And we're like, wow, this is really different. And then the villains show up and you're like, Oh, yep. It's a power Rangers show. <laughs> um, and then the power Rangers morph. And you're like, oh, okay. But I think it actually is a fun, like mixture of those two tones where you actually have a show that feels a little bit more, um, substantial. I mean, they talk about, you know, characters like, uh, their relatives dying and stuff in the, in the opening and things like that. Um, because they're trying to sell the horror of this like post-apocalyptic world. But then you stick a Power Rangers show in there. It, it did seem pretty cool. I'm looking forward to seeing how it develops. 
Yeah, um, it's tonally weird. All but, over the place, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm looking forward to, to watching the rest. It's a shorter run also, isn't it? It's like 30 yeah, it's episodes like, or something. Yeah, like, which, is, uh, which is, that's a, that's when, a short when season. It, uh, right when was this show made, actually? Um, oh, that's a good question. Well, I have the I have the Power Rangers wiki up in case I need to to get into anything. RPM was two thousand nine, um, and it was the last of the Disney seasons. And I guess at that point they didn't think the franchise would continue. But then Saban bought it bra- uh, bleh, bought it back. So um, yeah. But from what I understand, that's why, as Burgess said, that's why this season was even designed the way it was, because they really thought this was the end. So that makes me look forward to, I wonder if in the last episode they just blow up the Earth or (laughs) something if everyone dies. Because I know that later on, when Saban Saban bought it back, they kind of had to, in in another later season, they did some kind of crossover with RPM solely to retcon and say, hey, RPM is actually a completely separate universe than all the other shows. Yeah. Um... But yeah, no, it's, uh, I'm not, I have, I honestly have no idea what to expect. The, the Zords are like weird, like animals with giant eyes in the shape of a car. And then Mm. like they have these, they have tires on their ankles that they can like use as a weapon. Yeah. And they can also kind of kneel down and drive around on their ankles. Yeah. Um, The the Blue Ranger has a ridiculously gigantic, like bazooka is his special weapon. mm Mm-hmm. And Rose McIver's character's name is Summer Lansdowne, which is one of my favorite fictional character names I've ever heard. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're we're we'll uh, we're we're definitely going to move forward with it. Um, mm-hmm. So the real reason why we're here is uh, we're we're here to uh, when we left off, we we talked about. Um, you know, how we felt about the Power Rangers franchise in anticipation of this new Hollywood blockbuster reboot, which is an adaptation of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, which is an adaptation of the Japanese show Zoo Ranger. And this is the Hollywood uh, version of that. Um, and this is directed by a man named... Dean Israelite is that how, I'm, I'm assuming that has to be how you say this guy's name Israel yeah, I think so Israel Israelite screenplay by John Gattins if I'm pronouncing mm-hmm. his name right um, a co-writer on Skull Island and Spectral which we were actually just talking about a moment ago yeah. um, anyway uh, recently Oscar nominee right yeah what what was that for oh flight for flight okay yeah all right um, so. Also, as an actor, he has collaborated with Eddie Murphy on Norbit, Meet Dave, and A Thousand Words. <laughs> well, that's interesting trivia. <laughs> oh. I'm up? learning so much today, guys. This is <laughs> this is incredible information. Um, I, mean, I, I mean, I just learned that, too, in a second, but I thought that was definitely worth sharing. Yeah, but Norbit is the one that I'm like, whoa, that's uh, all right. He brought all the lessons of Norbit to Power Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> um. Now uh, I guess this this has its well, well Trev and I often talked about how you know if if there we would ever get a big Power Rangers reboot you know to get in on the I guess like eighties nineties nostalgia fest that Hollywood's having having now with stuff like uh, um, Transformers and um, Ninja Turtles and Max Steel 
uh, if anyone even remembers that. But uh, it has its origins in uh, something like, I think maybe 2014, 2015. And um, Trev, when you heard they were making a big budget Power Rangers reboot, what, what, were you, what, what went through your head? Uh, it, well, my, my, I guess my initial thought was it's about time. Uh, as you said, we, it's did, something we've been talking about for a while. Did, were, you and, like, were you like, it's about morphin' time? Uh, yeah, I said it's about morphin' time. Um, but no, it just seemed, it seemed natural and it seemed like, it seemed inevitable, right? It seemed obvious. It was, it was definitely something that was gonna happen at some point. Yeah. Especially um, for a company like Saban, which, um, and I don't mean this in any negative way, but this is a series that they clearly are going to bleed dry till the end of time. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> and and make as much off as, as possible. So if there's a chance to like reboot it, and I, and I think I get a sense that Saban always felt kind of burnt on how the original movie series went. How you know the first one wasn't as big of a hit as they were probably hoping, and then Turbo really kind of fell apart because I think they always thought thought like yeah this can be a, a, a film series too, right? And then finally I think the other thing that I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit more is. The movies is, is Saban really putting their like mark on the on the franchise, right? Because the TV show is always looked as looked at as just them adapting Super Sentai. The as far as I know, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but wouldn't you say that the three films, the three Hollywood movies, are the only actual like American Power Ranger things that exist? Yeah, like is in there a hundred percent. Yeah, you know, I mean, like once I know they, they, I mean, they've, they've filmed scenes for the shows and stuff, but I mean, this is like. Nothing here is taken from something else. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's... I mean, obviously, the imagery and a lot of stuff like that is still... You know, it's taken from Zoo Ranger because that's what MMPR was. But, but yeah, the, there's there's always, like, you know, we had, trying to work around whatever Japanese footage and Japanese stuff that they have at the time. And something like this is, I guess being able to almost just start over again. You know, I mean, something like Turbo in the last movie, the, those still had to tie into the show, and this is almost just allowing them to reboot it from the ground up, really. Yep. Um, and uh, originally this was uh, going to be supervised by Roberto Orsi, who um, he he decided, you know what, I'm not done getting my hands all mucky in Star Trek. So then he left, uh, and then that's when the the uh, the team that we have now was put into place. I, I think that's probably for the best. I'm not the biggest Orsi fan. Um, and, uh, I mean, they went through a few scripts. I, I feel like, I don't know, do you want to talk about the movie first, or Trev, I know we you were researching the... I, I think it probably makes sense to talk about the movie first, because yeah. then I can kind of compare the, what would have been. Yeah. Um, okay, well, uh, I mean, the, one of you want to just go ahead and give a, a quick kind of synopsis of of the, I guess, the storyline, even though it's it's largely MMPR, but it's kind of, it's, it's different still. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna default to Trev. I feel like he excels at this where like I'm gonna stumble over the uh the synopsis pretty pretty badly. I don't I don't do those for a reason because it's bad for our audience. <laughs> Alright well I'll, I'll try like like Bert said I'll try to keep this fairly brief but as this is just kind of a you know the way I would basically describe it is this is a feature length adaptation of the pilot episode of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers but definitely a very modernized version. Um 
but to go through kind of not super beat by beat, but in, as we start, we we kind of instantly see, you know, differences in that we start with this kind of galactic war happening, you know, millions of years in the past. And we learn that a team of Power Rangers has been turned on by one of their own. The Green Ranger has gone evil, and that is Rita Repulsa. She has turned on her Power Ranger team and slaughtered them all except for the Red Ranger, who is Zordon. And the battle ends up coming to Earth during um, you know, our prehistoric era. And in his dying, or like what we assume are his dying moments, uh, Zordon is able to repel Rita uh, and takes the power coins, puts them into the earth, and kind of says this incantation that they will stay there until, you know, until needed and until the right five people will come and find these coins and become the new Power Rangers. You know, we'll talk about like the exact scene. I'm sure it smash cuts to next, but in general, where the movie comes to now is Angel Grove, California, as all Power Rangers fans know in the modern day. And over the course of the next, you know, half of the film or so, we meet our our main characters, which of course are the classic Mighty Morphin Power Rangers characters, although slightly different takes on them. We have Jason, Trini, Kimberly, Zach, and Billy, and kind of a reinvented for a modern era. Uh, in this case, yeah, for for the first time ever, they actually are teenagers with attitude, right? They've all got kind of, you know, um, a little bit more of a rebellious streak. They all, a bunch of them meet in detention at school for various reasons. It's very Breakfast Club-esque. And they all end up kind of at this mine facility uh, located right outside of Angel Grove one night. And through some various hijinks, they end up uncovering the power coins. This unlocks you know, new superpowers in all five of them, which they are very surprised by and don't know what, you know, how to handle it. They agree to go back to the mine facility to kind of figure out if, you know, they can find some clues as to what's happening to them. And once there, they uncover this buried spaceship that turns out to be Zordon's ship. Zordon is somewhat resurrected, not as a uh, living being necessarily, but we, we find out that before he died, he was able to load his kind of mind into the ship's uh, interface. And so he is now just kind of this projection that speaks to them through the wall. And he explains to them that they, because they've found the power coins, they are now the new Power Rangers team. And they are tasked to defeat the evil Rita Repulsa, who did not die at the end of that battle of Zordon, but instead has herself been kind of... Um, I don't want to say she's been biding her time because it's more just that she's been in a coma. But coincidentally enough, the same day the Power Rangers find the power coins, she is dredged up from the bottom of the ocean and kind of awakens and goes on a uh, essentially a murder spree through Angel Grove <laughs> Yes, that the Power Rangers have to uh, stop. And really, I won't say much more about plot by, you know, plot point by plot point. But really, the bulk of this movie is the uh, idea of watching these this team have to come together and become the Power Rangers. As if you guys remember the pilot of the original show, it was this whole story in 20 minutes. And Zordon was just like, you're the Power Rangers. And then suddenly they had the costumes on and they knew how to fight and everything. This one is like, no, no, let's watch how these kids would become the Power Rangers. So it's about watching their training and watching how they have to come together as a team because they're more kind of naturally distrustworthy of each other and things like that. And they have to kind of actually create a, a solid unit. And meanwhile, Rita is trying to 
get all the gold in, in Angel Grove to build Goldar, which will help her uncover the Zeo crystal. See, now when I start getting specific, it starts to sound really stupid, doesn't it? But, <laughs> well, uh, the, I mean, the, the <laughs> Zeo crystal is also hidden in a very special place. Yeah, well, we'll get to that, I'm sure. But <laughs> the, and of course, so it, of course, it all builds to a final battle confrontation that we would expect from a Power Rangers film. But that's that's the basics, right? It really is just it's an origin story. Um, through and through, about watching the first time they come together as a team and how they get there. Uh, that it is. Um, and uh, I guess, you know, well, we should just, I guess, say it. Uh, I'm going to start with Matt, because he was the most skeptical. Um, so you saw it last Thursday evening. And did. what what did you think of uh, of Power Rangers? So, yeah, I went in uh, not expecting a whole lot. I was trying to go in with an open mind, but I, I, uh, man, I I was shocked at how much I liked it, to be honest. And the the first two thirds of the movie, I think, are the best. Um, And and what won me over about the film are honestly the characters, which is not what you think. Like when you think Power Rangers to me when I'm a kid, like what I'm there for are the Rangers, the Zords and the monsters and, and the city destruction. But for this film, what I'm there for is the characters. Um, Billy is kind of the my favorite character. He's on the autism spectrum, and they, and they do a really cool job of explaining it in the movie. You know, he's got all these quirks, and um, he really is just a very charming character. And the way they explain it is he's having this conversation with Jason. And he says, hey, man, I basically don't understand things like humor the way that most people do. My brain doesn't function the way that others do. And when they have this, this little moment... It's just kind of like humorous banter back and forth. And when you think about it, if you go back to the original show with Billy, if you were to apply that same criteria to Billy, it would kind of make sense because he's always over-explaining things in a way that almost nobody can understand except for like Trini. And then she has to translate it back to where everybody else can understand it. That's kind of how Billy is in the show. He's smarter than everybody else. He's the guy that eventually uncovers where the Zeo crystals, crystals are, even though where – even when like Zordon and Alpha 5 have no idea where it's at. Um He's to me. He's kind of the the best character in the show. He's got, in my opinion, the most heart. Um, but the the chemistry of the cast, like it's it's actually palpable. Like you you begin to care about these kids, and that's not something that I was going in expecting from kind of what I was, you know, like a popcorn movie. Um, these are real teenagers with real problems. They all have kind of different dynamics. Zach has an issue. You know, his, his mother is. Uh, she, she's actually dying. They, they talk about that in the film. And like before you, you see all that, he kind of, he comes across as this just punk kid. And then you kind of start to feel for him. And it's just like this was a really well-written – these are really well-written characters that I was not ex- expecting to see in this kind of film. Um, and that's what won me over about the movie. And that's why I want to see them come back for a sequel. And, you know, I don't want to talk about all the negatives right away, but I think I like to start by saying, like, yeah, this is a this is a good movie. And I think people should go out and support it because there there's enough here that if they make a sequel, like they can do a lot more with it next time. Um, yeah. And I, 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 I agree. I love the cast. I, I kind of want to go right down the line um, just because we talked about kind of the reinvented, um, you know, Zach and uh, um, uh, Billy. But um, so we have Jason, who is kind of, um, you know, he's like the star uh, football player, um, but he can't keep out of trouble. So he's put on house arrest. Uh, You know, his dad thinks he's just a screw up 
and he'll never amount to anything. He's got um, real shades of uh, Vanderbeek and Varsity Blues, right? The, I don't want your life, right? It really feels like <laughs> he's he's rebelling because of the expectations put on him by his father and the, and the town. Um, yeah, and then, uh, you know, we have um, uh, Trini, who we find out is... Uh, uh, a, le- a lesbian she's 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 like the rebellious one she doesn't even want to like talk to these guys and you know we find that she has her parents just really don't like her you know they think she's just a weirdo and you know that she's just a constant disappointment uh kimberly is you know she's still uh you know she's a cheerleader instead of a gymnast but you know the other you know, more popular cheerleaders have kind of booted her out of uh, their group. Um, well, for good reason, right? I mean, <laughs> right, yeah. For, yeah she's, she's got one of the more interesting backstories in that when we catch up with her, yeah, we see that she's really been shunned from the popular crowd. And it turns out it's because she actually has been cyberbullying. She she got a, a a naughty picture of a friend that, some, that a friend took for, ostensibly, I guess, what would be her boyfriend, but Kimberly got her hands on it and started kind of sending it out to people. And um, it's interesting because we, we we find a Kimberly here who really regrets doing that and, you know, is is kind of facing the repercussions of what she did and realizing that she was a bad person, you know, and trying to make up for it. So I thought that was a pretty unique take on her, too. Yeah. Um, so these ain't your daddy's rangers. Uh, and. I mean, you know, you you can try and say, oh, they're just trying to make them all angsty, but they're I, they're not. I think Trini is the only one that really comes across as kind of angsty, um, you know. And I mean, once you see her talk about her backstory, it's like, well, she kind of should be. Um, but uh, you know, all of them still maintain their senses of humor, um, and uh, I I don't think. And I mean, that's kind of the the. The, su- the pleasant surprise about this movie is that it's not as, like, super serious or grim or dark or gritty or whatever buzzword you want to use that, you know, either the trailers may have portrayed or that maybe the fan base is, is blowing that that up. I think that uh, the movie get, runs into some tonal problems that I almost feel like were unavoidable. Uh, we'll talk about that later. But... Um, <laughs> But overall, I, I I think that I I, lo- I I will say I love the new cast. Um, you know, I mean Brian Cranston is Zordon. He's still a, a, a head in a in a in a wall, but he can move around this time. Mm-hmm. But even then, you know, he's he's playing Zordon. The it's like the best performance anyone could or would ever give as Zordon. And um, Elizabeth Banks uh, is really um, over the top and. Hammy is Rita, but in like all the best ways, and I would love to see her come back. Also, um, uh, we we kind of on the same page with that. Yeah, Rita's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Elizabeth Banks is the one cast member who thinks that they're still making like an old Power Rangers movie, right? And like nobody nobody told her otherwise. And they're probably like on set, and they're like, "Weren't you supposed to tell her?" And they're like, "Look, just be happy." Elizabeth Banks said yes. Let's let her do whatever she wants. But um, that's kind of what makes her work, though. I think. To be honest. I, no, no, no. That does. That sounds like I don't have a problem with that at all because. Anytime you think that the movie might be dipping too far into like, oh, this is the the serious Power Rangers, you can always cut to Rita. And because she is playing it that way, 
it, it yeah you could say it's totally incon- inconsistent but in a fun way that strikes a nice balance to where she, it's always kind of a relief to to just cut to her crazy over the top nonsense yeah um uh also surprise in this was uh you know i i thought alpha 5 was bearable for the first time ever this is the first time I ever liked Alpha Five. <laughs> we, I, I'm like on the opposite. I, I didn't I didn't like him. He was he was the weak link in the in the food chain for me. I mean Alpha Five is annoying, but he he was I mean he's he serviceable sure, but like I don't know Alpha Five was one of those characters. Either you, you probably hated his I I I's in this movie if you hated him on the show. He says it like three um, times in this. Though. I mean, yeah, I think he only does it twice in this movie. I he, mean he does it yeah he does it like two or three times. But my my, my point is like. He didn't. I don't know. I just I found him kind of boring, to be honest with you. I just felt I, like I want, this was the first time he felt like a character, right? You can like we could debate whether he's necessary or whether the same study the stuff he does could have just been given to Zordon, but he felt like he had a purpose for and like there was like a reason for him to be there, and as opposed to just a robot that runs around screaming I I I like he was in the cartoon <laughs> or I mean the cartoon. <laughs> the he's show. Zordon Lackey. I mean that that's his purpose. <laughs> Like but it, like he he like trains them in this. Yeah, he'll kick your. This, this Alpha he, Five can kick your ass too. He has a range of like he can move around more than Zordon can, right? Which is true in the show too. But they never took advantage of that, whereas the movie can a little bit. So he's the one who goes around the ship and does different things, and and it just feels like he's he's more relevant, I guess. And I and I thought Bill Hader did a nice job with the the character. He's not like my favorite or anything. I like everybody else, but. I give them credit for taking a character I always hated in the show and making him, you know, I, I could not just tolerate him, but there was even moments where I was like, yeah, I kind of like this take. Yeah. Um, so, uh, <clears throat> aside from the characters, Matt, was there, I mean, you said you pretty much like this. The character is what sticks out with you the best. Um, Trev, <coughs> I, I, did you feel the same way? Yeah, I mean, we're just doing our general thoughts right now. Yeah, uh, I mean, I would say uh, very. I had kind of a similar experience to Matt, except like I went in thinking I was going to like this. Except maybe it's just I was trying to keep my expectations low or whatever. I never thought I was going to like this in any way other than the way I like to show in that. Oh, this is just going to be dumb fun, like a goofy nonsense that I'm going to laugh at, and not laugh with, but laugh at. Right? That's what I kind of expected. And I always thought, like, geez, if they try to take this seriously, that'll be the death of this film. And what I was surprised by and what did shock me is that, as Matt said, I walked out thinking, actually, that was a good movie, right? Like, they took Power Rangers seriously, but not in a way they didn't do, like, a grim, dark take on it. They just took the material seriously, but without losing the fun and the heart that I think makes the show. And and like Matt said, I was the most shocked that it's a character piece, right? Like it's not there's not a lot of action in it, and I'm sure there will be a, a lot of a contingent of fans who will that'll be their big complaint. And I, I can kind of see where they're coming from. There's really only the action climax, and that's kind of it. But the, the the reason that doesn't bother me is by the time you get to the action climax, you are invested because you do like the, the these kids and these versions of the characters. And I thought the actors were, you know, they're young and they're maybe they're not all the best actors in the world, but I thought they worked really well together, had good chemistry together. And yeah, just like Matt, I walked out saying I want sequels just because I want to see more of them. I ended up really liking this version of the of the kids and thought the performances were really fun. Yeah, um I'm really right there with you guys. I I wasn't expecting to like the characters the way that I did, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I I felt like 
by making them, I, I felt like they were more re- relatable. And, uh, you know, I mean, the show we like because it's the show. I, I feel like this movie had an uphill battle because if you make the show, you're too stupid. If you don't make the show, you're going to upset everybody who likes the show. And this, I think this movie did the best possible job it could have by making something... Uh, taking the show and making it more relatable by f- giving the characters more, I guess, real-life kind of issues, and then also um, bringing to it the fun, nonsensical stuff from the show that we all like. And it, it crams them together, and it, it, it tonally it doesn't always work, but I think it, it did the best possible job of balancing the two out that... Um, it, it it really did the best job that it could have. I, I don't think... Like, it, this is the best possible Power Rangers movie I think could have been made. Um, I, I Because I, I, you know, and the, you know, the fans, you know, they, they don't like that it's not the show. And I mean, that's fair. Any fan base has that right to... To say that, but I, I feel like what what the show did wouldn't work as a movie, especially now. And I, I think that this movie did the best job that anyone ever could have. You know, I, I don't think it was always going to work 100% because it's a movie that, like I said, it's an uphill battle where it's, it's got to do a lot of things. And it's got to try and balance them the best that it can. Uh, and I think this movie did better than expected on combining those things for me anyway when, when you take an existing property that that is that is very nostalgic it's been around for a while and you try to appeal to the masses you have to be okay with changes because otherwise it's not going to make any money and, and that's what they had to do here i mean like power rangers it it, it wasn't gonna ever if they just took the show and made a movie out of it it wasn't going to be successful with today's audience so what they did what what they did was the best of both worlds, in my opinion. I think, like, the reason I think people had the opinion it was going to be grim dark is because it's kind of always shot in that very dark gray lens, which it makes it look darker than what it is. But, you know, with, with the character building, with some of the world build, building going on, um, and then, of course, when you have Rita coming in and hamming up and just saying, make my monster grow and all the Krispy Kreme crap, like, all that stuff makes you laugh. And brings all the old school, the like all the old my nostalgic stuff out. Yeah, and it makes me as someone that's not to cut, cut you off, but I feel like we're kind of, our brains are kind of going to the same place as we the more we talk it out. And well, I feel like where you were getting was kind of what my next point was going to be was that by the end of the movie, I felt like I was watching the show, especially that that last like battle. I mean, yeah, like, that's what I'm just, saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a movie that's designed to build you up to an episode of the show, kind of, right? Because the the last action climax is about twenty minutes. At that point, it really does get colorful, bright. It's nonsensical, as you said, but in the in the fun way, right? But it, it earns that. It, it puts you through the paces to get there, saying, "Hey, first, let's make you care about these characters." And even to go back to something Matt was just saying, I've actually thought a little bit about this, about why do they film in that grayscale? Because that is the thing that turned a lot of people off in the trailer. And I know all of us are not that hot on that kind of look for a film. And as Bird just said, though, right, 
even with that grayscale, it's not like it's a super serious movie. There are still jokes. There's still a lot of silly stuff going on. But I almost wonder if the, the director and the filmmakers kind of thought that to, a, to, to an audience today, that, that kind of look, that grayscale look, is just a subtle like subconscious indicator that, hey, you can take this seriously, right? This isn't just a kid's thing that you have to laugh at and be goofy. So when the characters are talking about cyberbullying or having a sick mother or being on the autistic spectrum, we're telling you that this stuff matters, right? Like it actually, we're trying to handle this stuff with some weight and some gravity. And that's why they did the color that they did instead of having it just be this like really flashy, bright, poppy color thing that would just make people kind of look at it and go, oh, that's that dumb show that's on TV, right? So I, I can only assume that's why they even bothered with that look. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I mean, if you're coming at this as, you know, a non-genre fan, I mean, it, it, it's still going to go through the beats of, the superhero origin stories that we've been getting from Marvel and also stuff like especially like maybe the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man um, and uh, Chronicle. Um, but uh, if you're a fan of the show, it's taking this kind of mythology that you're familiar with and it's really kind of putting it out there in a way that makes you – I wouldn't say it, it, it robs it of its fantasy, but it, it what it does is it makes it believable – in the beginning, so by the time it gets crazy at the end, you're invested. Uh, yeah. And, and, I mean, I, there are some tonal – there are definitely some tonal clashes where it feels like two different movies crammed into one, but I, I, I don't think that was avoidable at all. I, yeah. I really think that, you know, it's it's like you look at a, mo- like a movie like Freddy vs. Jason, like how they combine the, the Jason and Freddy stuff is kind of awkward, but it's like it's the only way you're going to make this work. You know, it's just well, that's the thing. Like gotta... what, you, what you just said too is like I don't know. Like I don't know. Is this a really good Power Rangers movie? Obviously, a lot of people will debate the merits of that because they'll say like, well, it's not real. It's not really a Power Rangers movie unless it's closer to the show. We could like go back and forth on that. So let's put table that. But I'd say, and I'll ask you guys if you agree. No matter what, what it is, is it is a really good superhero origin movie. So if you're just interested in the Power Rangers as like the like a superhero idea. That's what I think this is. This is like a really good superhero film. Yeah, I, I think it. I think uh, that is where it's the most successful um, as as a superhero origin. I mean, and I mean, you can only tell that story so many times. So yeah, more jaded viewers are going to be like, "I already saw this in Spider Man and this and that." But um, uh, I I think that. Kind of looking at what worked about those other superhero origin movies and applying it to Power Rangers is like that. That's the best way to that they could have made it work for a modern audience. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't want to end on negative stuff. Can we can we get the negative stuff out of the way? Because I, I like this movie enough to where I think there's more positive to say. About I honestly it. don't have that many gripes with it. Um, I have like some minor nitpicky stuff. Um, I'll, I'll, but my big thing I'll just get right out of the way um, is I really the the only you know I mean fans have been going back and forth about all the radical changes uh, whether it's in race sexual orientation whatever with the characters I don't the only change made to Power Rangers in this that just flat out didn't like whatsoever wish they went a different route was the the version of goldar that we get um 
I just, uh, I mean, obviously, you need it's Power Rangers, so at the end you need, you know, the big kaiju versus robot fight. And this we get a version of Goldar who's basically just made out of a bunch of uh, like liquid gold almost, and he's digging. <laughs> he's sent to dig through a Krispy Kreme. Did it occur to you guys that Rita Repulsa in this is just Doctor Who from King Kong Escapes? Yeah, she's digging for a monster to dig for something. Yeah, Yeah, digging for a mysterious element. Uh, Exact. Yeah, she's Doctor Who. That those two need to team up. I would ship them. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, and the the version of Goldar we get, you know, it's no personality. Even as a monster, not really any personality. No, literally no face. It's just a melting, flowing liquid metal, Um, and he's just he he fights the Megazord at the end and loses, and and that's Goldar. You know, that you don't have the the groveling henchman Goldar that I loved as a kid. There's um, even a moment where Goldar kind of absorbs Rita, and I thought she was going to kind of like take that form, and I got really excited for like a split second, and then it doesn't happen. Yeah, um, and I, I just feel like uh, for such a, a character that has become iconic to people that like Power Rangers so much, I think that's just the one big, big ball drop here. Um, I mean, you can, and you could have had that version of Goldar and still had him serve the same function. Like, I think Day of the Dumpster, he is the giant. He does turn giant, and that that was like the kaiju fight in that. Right? Oh, he's turned big a couple times. In the yeah, show. yeah. He's it, giant all the and time. It's yeah. just, uh, I mean, and, and it's just, they had to know that was like such a fan favorite, too. It, it's just, it's puzzling. I don't understand it. I don't like it. Blah. Um, everything else, though, uh, was, was fine to me. I, I'm not so into the grayscale color template, but I mean, I feel like that's something I say after I see like 90% of the movies that come out now. Um, Nothing else really bothered me. Um, there, there's some things that I kind of laughed at rather than with, but they weren't things that bugged me. Like, I, I, Trev knows I am not a fan of overt product placement in a movie, <laughs> but the fact that the Zeo Crystal is underneath what is now a Krispy Kreme and the whole end of the movie is Rita trying to get to a Krispy Kreme and dig up this Zeo crystal. And the fact that it, 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 I thought it was hilarious and it was the exact kind of like dumb campy, just so dumb. I can't even believe what I'm watching kind of thing that I loved about that. I, that I love about watching the shows. Um, like the fact that Rita, it, it, there's one part where Rita's just walking through the city and she just shouts crispy cream. And then there's another part where she she just pulls like pulls up a chair and starts eating a Krispy Kreme donut, and like I think my favorite is the moment where we see the Pink Ranger flying in her uh, pterodactyl and she's like on comms with the other Power Rangers and she's like, guys, she hasn't found the Krispy Kreme yet. Yeah, (laughs) I I mean, I I was I was cracking up. I yeah, I normally that's something I would hate, but the fact that they worked it into the movie is like a plot element and it was addressed in such a silly way. Just had me, I, I, I was laughing the entire time, and it was wonderful. So I can't even knock the movie for that. It's crass. It's incredibly crass. But it's hilarious. 
And, so and did you know that uh, Jason David Frank and Kimberly Joe Johnson or whatever? Uh, Kimberly Joe <laughs> Amy, Amy Joe Amy Joe Johnson. Yeah, they uh, they were both. Uh, their original cameo was supposed to be in the Krispy Kreme with with Rita. Oh, and that, that got fantastic. cut. That yeah. would have been amazing. Please, I, hopefully that got filmed and it's on the Blu-ray because that sounds wonderful. Yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you with Goldar. Like, hated. He's one of my favorite villains in the show, so I hated that. I, the the Zords are fine. I actually told you guys like a long time ago. I thought they were very generic, and and I still think they're semi generic. But they, but they work. Like the execution of the Zords on screen was much better than what I thought they would be. Still not a fan of the Megazord. Uh, not just the in battles kind of eh. the the action sequences to me are, are kind of lacking in this film. Like I, I you know for me I the show believe it or not in my opinion does some things better in that in that arena. But again there there's such strong character development in, that I'm already invested and because of that like it didn't bother me that by the end of it I'm like oh I just want to see how this ends because I care about these characters. Uh, one thing I also hate, and it's a, a trend in a ton of movies now, is the inability to to score a film. You have to put like seven or eight songs in the movie to be the soundtrack. That that to me is just kind of like an annoying That's thing. That's been going on since the Batman in 1989. <laughs> well, I mean, like you just, but like they use like uh, seriously. I think there's probably eight songs, like uh, Suicide Squad, Skull Island. Just recently, like it's just been. Instead of having an actual score for the film, they're just they're having a soundtrack, and it's to me that's kind of an annoying trend. Um, there was a score, but I thought the score though, when they finally morph and we see them walking for the first time, actually was a pretty decent theme. It was. I also did not like the very tiny usage of the original Power Rangers theme because it oh, sounded you're like, crazy. <laughs> it sounded like crap. No, like the I love that song. I'm glad they put it in the movie, but it was it was too short. It was like in the right spot, but it was too short. They cut it off too soon, and it was like yeah. a terrible rendition of that song. Well, they also like cut out the um, the Mighty Morphin part of it. Did you notice that they like drowned out the lyric right there, so you didn't. Hear yeah, it. it's just like what's like what is what is going on with that? That's so, another like, I, that's another like thing that normally would I would think was just so jarring, jarring and tonally confusing, but I, I thought it was hilarious. Well, <laughs> that, when that moment happens, it's kind of like um, I mean I get what Matt's saying about just like if he's talking about the quality of the audio quality of that version or whatever, but. That is the that's like the kind of transition point in the film, right? When that theme plays, it's like anything that was kind of serious about the movie. They're like, forget that. Yeah, threw it like out now, the window. Now we're just <laughs> heading into the show, right? That's what I kind of liked about that. Um, I, I didn't. I thought the action scenes were fine. Like I, I the Megazord versus no, I'm kinda, Goldar I'm with, scene was kind of with Matt, but in both ways, right? Where I, I don't think the action was anything amazing. I thought you could argue it's underwhelming. But like Matt said, this is the ultimate proof that, you know, you can film a completely awesome, kick-ass, flashy action scene, and it can be kind of interesting on a visceral level. But if you don't care about the characters, it doesn't matter. By the same token, you can have a just an average pedestrian action scene, but if you're invested in the story and like the characters, it still works. Yeah. And that's how I felt about this climax, where I didn't mind the action simply because I liked these characters and I wanted to see them succeed. So I didn't mind that the action wasn't really the best. You would hope if they get to do a sequel that they'll put a little bit more effort into, you know, some better action design. Yeah. But we'll Especially, see. Especially, I, and I feel like if they stick with this director, I feel like he's capable because, um, like, there's one scene, uh, there's like a car chase at the beginning and uh, like a yeah. car crash that is... No, no, no. BS is directed extremely well. 
Yeah, that's, thought, a pretty, that's a pretty cool scene. I thought in general, I, God, I know it sounds silly. Like, we we're talking about Power Rangers movie, and already we've talked about how great the characters are written. And now <laughs> I'm going to also say, I thought in general, this is a really well-directed movie. I thought there was a lot of interesting, like, shots, and I just thought, like, I, I thought overall. And I haven't seen, have you guys seen Project Almanac? No, no, I know that was that I've, was basically heard, it was basically chronicle for kids from what I yeah, understand. and I heard really good things about it, you know, like for what it was going for, and I'm I'm kind of tempted to check it out now just because I really did think he did a really good job with this, and I thought he had a nice eye for a lot of uh, you know for this kind of film. Yeah, I, I but no, I feel like that car chase scene is worth special mention because like it's within the first like 20 minutes of the movie, and when I was watching it, I was like, wow, like. No, that's how the movie opens up, basically, yeah, after that. And, and I was like... <laughs> Although I will say, not a fan of After the Chase. I'm not a fan of how it just says Power Rangers on the screen. Yeah, that was, that was a weird That, that was, was a weird, weird and not, It was like an underwhelming way, like, way to reveal the title, but also just a strange, a strange scene to put the title at. Like, I really felt like it should have come after we've met all the kids or... I not like even it, have it. I, I would almost it was, like, say it was, put it after the prologue with Zordon and yeah. Vita. That would have yeah. been way better, yeah. Um, but no, that, that car chase scene, man, um, it, it, it was excellent. And then, and right there I was like, wow, there might actually be like some genuine like craft going into a Power Rangers movie. And, um, yeah, I, I was very, I was like not expecting something like that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, the action scenes, I think, Trev, I think the word pedestrian is the best word, because it's, they're not bad, but they're not like, you know, it's not like, uh, I mean, comparing to recent movies, it, it doesn't beat, like, the highs of, you know, Skull Island or something. Right. Well, they're um, delivering exactly the, the kind of action we've seen ad nauseum for the past, you know, yeah. however many years, so, I, and it's nothing more, <laughs> nothing less. I guess, um, I, I mean, honestly, you guys are going to call me crazy, but. Bear with me here. The kind of action, like in that in a moment like that where you have Zords fighting a, a giant Goldar monster and stuff, you almost do want the action to feel a little bit more Michael Bayish, right? Like it should be a little bit more yeah. chaotic. Yeah, you, you, and, you do, you do want like that. For, like whatever you can say about Michael Bay, like those action scenes are pretty incredible on a big screen, and I wish we could transition into that at that point. Um, the I I think uh, I guess a nit, more of a nitpick is uh, I don't I actually don't mind. At least from like what I've seen, the the designs of the Zords, but I really didn't feel like the movie gave us very many good looks at them, and that mm. kind of bothered me. Like, uh, like I, I just I don't know if it was just the cutting was too quick or or what, but um, well, I even thought like I don't know if you like as a as a nerd right who likes Power Rangers, it slightly bummed me out that we didn't actually see the Megazord formation like it just kind of yeah, I agree 100%. yeah and I know I know they did it because it's supposed to meant meant to be like a reveal but. Uh, we all know what's happening, so just show it to us. Right? <laughs> um, I I did kind of like that moment when they first combine, where like they can't like figure out how to walk right. Uh, I thought that was great. Like that's honestly one of my favorite moments in the whole film because it's one of those things that we've always just accepted that in the show of like, yeah, all five of them are in the control panel now. They I guess they all control it, and I love that this was the first time that I can think of where they acknowledge that. Wait, this they would all be controlling a different part, and that would be hard, right? I, I just love that. <laughs> that <show. laughs> um, so one other thing that uh, I I did not I, I I'm not a huge fan of the uh, the Billy's death slash resurrection because like the death sequence actually works really well, but because of the setup with Zordon trying to come back and everything, you can see what's going to happen a mile away. And I know that's probably a minor nitpick. You know, Billy can't die, but like. Yeah. For me, he's my he's he's the best character in the film, and like I to me like 
that moment in the movie actually made me feel something. And then to like kind of just take it all away, like, oh, he's fine. It it kind of felt no. cheap. But I don't know. Do you think they took it away? Or that's really the moment that finally sets them up. That's the moment that creates them as a team, right? And also, that moment redeems Zordon, who up until that point has really been kind of a dick. Oh, yeah, dude. The whole this, thing. Version, this, version, this version of Zordon, he, he like, hates them. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are worthless. Yeah, he's just like, like, <laughs> he's just like what the fuck are you guys doing? Like, yeah, he's basically. We're we're told he's using them, right? And like the the Billy's death moment is the part where he kind of sees that they're like the the right kids for this. And so, and, I mean, and, I, I I get what you're saying, Matt, but I guess I, I have like a slightly different take on it. I, I mean, I'm I'm kind of in the middle because uh, I I think the redemption of Zordon's character is more important. Because we know, like, Billy dying, it's like an E.T. moment. It's like, oh, you know E.T.'s not going to stay dead, you know? Uh, and up until that point, we've seen Zordon really just kind of act kind of irrational. And once we find out why, it's, you know, oh, he he wants to come back into his physical form. And, and it redeems him because he's, at this point now, has, like, realized the potential of these kids and he he gives up his chance to to come back into the real world by saving him and i don't know i think that i think that uh i'm gonna use a word trev said earlier i think it's a moment that's earned uh in the movie um now the only thing uh, i could think was when billy came back i leaned over to bird and i was like Oh man, how long has he been dead? Shouldn't he have like horrible brain damage at this point? <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of Billy, we, we, I think we we should take a moment to talk about his T-shirts throughout the movie. Oh, so good! Those were the best. He, t-shirts he wears one of the most amazing T-shirts I've ever seen, like ever in this film. But I didn't even notice until Bird pointed out, and then I couldn't believe I didn't notice it. Of a hot dog diving in a, a cartoon hot dog diving into a bun. I mean, <laughs> you, you, you just had to, it doesn't sound that amazing, but trust me, when you see it. <laughs> and then he has another shirt later that's a boxing bear wearing blue boxing gloves. Yeah. And it's like, man, I got like the whoever was, whoever found those t shirts is. Needs the Academy Award for like costume design. Yeah, what what if this wins costume design for Billy's T-shirts? <laughs> That'd be amazing. So um, did, did you I, guys? Can... Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, did you guys? Did you have any issues with the uh, the suits? Because I actually the the the, the Power Rangers uh, the suits like they they work fine. I know a lot of people complained about them. But Dude, I've, I've I've been on board with these suits since the beginning. I, I like them. I think they're cool looking. I mean, yeah, they look like the Giver, but uh, oh well. You know, I, I think they're I think they're a really cool, like modern looking version. And I'll tell you what. And I know this is like something that's an area of disagreement, but I even kind of I like the look when the faces open up and you can then see like the Power Rangers faces. I think that works in the film, and uh, it does work very well. I agree. With especially that. like I think the Pink Rangers looks really cool when hers opens up because it kind of has she almost kind of has horns for and not that that's like relevant, but it just looks kind of cool to me. I don't know. I like the designs a lot actually. Yeah, I, and I also I mean, and here it's an idea that it's it's like armor that grows out of them, right? It's almost like in the comics when um when Iron Man had the extremist armor, which is actually yeah. armor that was always inside his body and would come out when he needed it. Well, that's also that's kind, kind of, of a diver 
kind of that yeah. is definitely a Giver thing, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think it looks awesome. Yeah, that, that's some. Yeah, I, I I thought the suits were fine. I, I think um, maybe like the chest plate, the chest plates being like silver. I think maybe robs them of a little bit of color, but that's like a nitpick. Um, I really think they just look like kind of beefed up versions of like the the arm the suits in the the first movie, the old movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I I liked them. Um, uh, I will say, um, I did like, uh, really the only Zord that really gets, seems to get a lot of time by itself is the T-Rex. And I, that's actually one that I, I liked quite a bit as far as like the redesigned Zords go. It's the, I don't know if it's the only one that got a lot of screen time where you can actually like make out what it looks like, but, um, uh, I thought it was a pretty as far as like I guess updating the original Zords, I think that's the one they did the best job with. Mm-hmm. Can I just briefly talk about like my complaint with the film? Yeah, um, I don't think I've heard you say a lot of complaints. So yeah, what's what's your big? Thing? I, I mean, I have none because it was perfect. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, and I, so, <laughs> it is weird because it, it is kind of one of those films where it kind of is almost um, criticism proof to in a certain sense, right? Because you said there's a lot of like logical stuff that's really ridiculous in this, like the idea that they find Rita, they just happen to find Rita on the same day that they find the power coins, right? There, there's a way you could have written that to where it seemed like it happened for a reason, but they don't do that. Um, the fact that Zordon puts the power coins into the ground and does this incantation, it says only like the you know only the pure of heart will find these, but then it just seems like it's just because these five kids happen to be the ones who blow open this you know, this mountain and it could have been anybody. So there's a lot of stuff like that. But the only thing that really stuck to me that bothered me was, and I I guess maybe this will sound silly considering I was just talking about, you know, at the end of the day, you can allow some goofiness, but I really thought the whole backstory of Rita and Zordon and everything was pretty underdeveloped. And I think there could have been an opportunity to have more, like once Zordon was back and once Rita's out there wreaking havoc, I kind of wish we maybe could have had an interaction between them or at least another moment where Zordon kind of talks to the team about the past and we get one more flashback showing her as a ranger in the past and, and seeing a little bit more of her turn to the dark side, because really that just feels like it's just, it's just told to us and we never really get like the whole story there. And then that also kind of hurts her as a villain in a sense of where I don't really get what she's trying to do. Like she wants to get the crystals to blow up the world. And then what? In life. Like, it's yeah. Like, in life. <laughs> yeah. I'm like what? Like, why do you want to do that? And so I just, that felt really undercooked to me. And, uh, I, I feel like, um, man, there could have been more to it. I don't know. That's that, that was my big issue with the film. I just feel like that's the thing that like one more pass in the script, you could have beefed that up and, and had a better film. Well, I, I think give. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> well, and I was just gonna say that said, like at least this version of Rita, when she goes into like a Power Rangers bedroom, she actually attacks them. She doesn't, <laughs> she doesn't like steal your doll and then take it back to the moon and make it into a monster. You know. But she, and, but, and she, she didn't ride a bike though. She didn't like pedal in the air. And <laughs> that's true. Like that. Now, if we'd had that moment, that would have been pretty amazing too. And there's also a, a scene where she goes, she fights them. You know, she goes toe to toe with them. So I mean, yeah. it, it's not. Uh, you know, she's not up in the moon and just screaming about stuff. She's actually she she's she's on Earth getting her hands dirty. I mean, she flat out murders people. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, she does. And you know that that's that she's definitely more uh, proactive 
than uh, the one from the show. What did you guys think about what I just said, though? Like, did it bother you that the storyline was kind of undercooked there, or was well, that just me? I, no, I think I think that's a great point, but I also think given the uh, the mid credits, the you know, the scene or whatever, obviously with with them talking about the Green Ranger and Tommy mm-hmm. and all that stuff, I kind of hope and, and think that they're gonna maybe develop that later on. But I, in terms of this film, yeah, you're right. It, it could have been it could have been handled, developed a lot differently, and it would have been nice to have seen like in the middle of the film Zordon talk about what happened in, in specific detail as opposed to, oh, she's just power hungry, which is essentially what we got. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, um, the only, it didn't, the only thing I would say maybe bothered me is, uh, you know, yeah, she wants the Zeo crystal, but we don't spend enough time really learning why. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I guess power, but but why <laughs> you know um because she's a power ranger <laughs> yeah you know uh, uh i mean i would have I, I think a scene of her and zordon would have been great i'm not sure where it would come in but you know i mean i'm not a screenwriter i mean someone probably could have figured something out but um it's not something i would say bothered me though i mean one one once the movie gets into the last act and it's you know you remember you're watching a power rangers movie it's like, you know, I, I'm not looking for the most, the villains to have the most motivation in the world, I guess. But, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a perfectly reasonable thing that I agree with, but I wouldn't say that it bothered me. Well, fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, I want to get back to Krispy Kreme real quick. <laughs> You just want donuts right now? Is that? <laughs> oh well, yeah, of course. Um, I can tell you that once that happened, once that happened, because me and Trev sat right next to each other, we 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 were. I, I think that's when the movie was like elevated in our eyes. <laughs> Trev, would you? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, Matt. It, w- like, wh- where are you registering? The Krispy Kreme uh, uh, subplot here. <laughs> um, I, I mean, like, it's just dumb, stupid, but also kind of genius products placement. Like, to me, it's far better than the Transformers Mountain Dew robot that comes out of, you know, like, it, it's... It's 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 kind of a, a breath of genius because it's so like in your face, but they do it in such like of a comical, campy way. And Elizabeth Banks is awesome at like shouting Krispy Kreme in the film and like, <laughs> and then the idea of like the Goldar has to dig specifically at that location. Like, it's just a great way to write. Like if you're going to make money by having an endorsement, like that, that's the perfect way to do it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if it elevates the movie for me as much as it was like, man, you guys just like, it, it took all the dumb things that we loved about the original show. And like it, it encapsulated them in that one moment in, I think. <laughs> in product placement <laughs> form. <laughs> Can I? I want to ask you guys something more like story driven, like a, a somewhat serious question. Not serious, but I, I want your opinion on something. I'm curious because I know how I feel about it. But what did you guys think about the 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 general thrust, the narrative thrust of the story being about the fact that they have to learn how to morph, right? Like, uh, so because that's kind of a new idea to Power Rangers, right? Like, it's always been established that once you become a Power Ranger, you can just do that. And it's actually really interesting because I know, you know, in our last episode, uh, our buddy, the goat talked about how he didn't like that. They took the the words Mighty Morphin out of the title 
So, I mean, yeah, they just, it, they're not called Mighty Morphin here. They're just called the Power Rangers. But yeah, the film's all about how they have to morph. And I don't think I've ever heard the word morph as many times as you hear it in this film. <laughs> and uh, I thought, I, I don't, that's one of those things, like to me, like, like Bird was saying earlier, it's, it's perfect because, it, like, to me, that rode the line of being kind of stupid, but also kind of like making sense on a story level because it's really silly right like y'all you guys can't be power rangers until you learn how to morph and it's just so dumb and i could see like someone who's really knows nothing about power rangers being like all right i'm out this is so stupid (laughs) but but it actually works in that like really all they're saying is they they have to like learn to be a team right and to kind of you know that's what i guess the screenwriter was like how can we how can we easily visualize that or verbalize it that they have to come together as a team. Well, let's just make it that they can't actually get their costumes until they do yeah, that. What do you guys I, think of that? I thought that was, like you said, like, unless you know Power Rangers, it sounds stupid as hell. But, mm-hmm. you know, we know the formula of the show, and I think that that's a really good way to let us and the characters both learn. You know, we learn about the characters as they learn about each other through that, and um, the idea that they can't morph until they're kind of... I guess synced, almost kind of like, you know, in Pacific Rim, your Jaeger pilot has to be someone that, you mm-hmm. know, kind of syncs with you. I thought that that was really a good, almost like, uh, on paper it sounds dumb, but in the co- context of a Power Rangers story, I actually think that's kind of an ingenious twist on that. Yeah. Uh, actually, I, I think it's I think it's smart. Um because it, it explains, like, you remember, the, I don't know if you guys remember the episode, but there's an episode in the original show where Billy literally is getting, like, he's getting beat up by, like, Skull, and, and he, he doesn't even know, like, karate, but then he's ex- expected to believe he can go, like, beat up monsters because he becomes a Power Ranger. And the, the, the whole idea that they're having to learn how to fight makes sense to me. So I'm kind of on the opposite end. Like, it, it, it made sense. Mm-hmm. Um. Because it's so ridiculous, like, in the show, they, they can't fight for themselves, they can't beat up other humans, but then they go Power Rangers, and then all of a sudden they can learn how to fight and do backflips and all this stuff. I don't know. Well, in the show, like, half the time they fight the putties, they're not even in, you know, their armor, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, yeah, it I... It was like a, like a yellow belt in karate, <laughs> taekwondo or something. <laughs> um... Yeah, I, I felt like the, the overall, like the movie did a good job of kind of taking things from the show and kind of coming up with a practical reason why they are the way they are, mm-hmm. which again was unexpected. Well, I just thought, and even like the morphing thing, like right, like I know you know this is a big Hollywood product, but I like when I watch a film like this and a film that's meant to be on some level a kids' film, right? This is definitely like the PG thirteen version, but it seems like to me it's still pretty kid friendly. Oh, yeah. And they were aiming for a kid audience. And I like when I watch a film like this that you could say is cynical and just a Hollywood product, but feels like it has its heart in the right place. And by doing the morph thing and saying it's all about how they have to come together as a team, I really thought it did have a pretty great message, as silly as that might sound. But I, I you know, I actually really we're talking about the character stuff. I really like that scene with the bonfire where they like kind of start, you know, opening up to each other. And I thought yep. that's like one of the best moments in the film is when, you know, it is, um, it is the best. Yeah, I think when, it's the best when, when Zach kind of starts it up and suddenly turns and tells him about his mother and like the seriousness of that moment. I was just like, man, this is this is good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's kind of the moment that actually won me over in, in the movie as a whole is, is that moment of like team building and bonding, because like that was that was a time when they felt real. Like they actually felt like real, real, genuine people and characters that you can relate to. And like they have 
like I said, like not every movie, like I can never see that happening in a Transformers film. I just, I just couldn't. You, you get the the crazy special effects in Transformers movies, but like, who really, who really cares about the characters in those movies? I don't. Well, I mean, that's that's kind of something I want to bring up as well. Um, I mean, look at what. Uh, I don't mean to lay all the blame on Michael Bay, but he's just the only one that's really co-opted a lot of these like properties that we liked as kids. But look at the Transformers movies. Look at the Ninja Turtles movies. Uh, and, you know, just think about how they are, how, how crass they are. You know, the fart jokes and racist robots and, you know, uh, and just think about, like, what this movie... I mean, if you're upset with, if you don't like this movie, that's one thing. But if you're thinking about, oh, how they changed it in this way and that way, uh, first of all, the thing that we're talking about is Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, which is a, a, a itself radically changed adaptation of something. But my point, furthermore, is this movie easily could have been full of, uh, you know farting robots or whatever goes on in these transformers movies and 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 stuff like that and you know the the just awful you know humor of the ninja turtles films that have been coming out and this movie really it's the it's the opposite of of those and it so easily could have been that it has two jokes like that, and I know apparently that like bothered some people. And yeah, maybe it didn't need the like the the opening joke with the bull, like whatever, right? And it's also that's a joke that's been done before. That's what kind of bothered me about it. it was not so much it was mature, but it was like eh, that's from Kingpin, you know. Um, <laughs> but and then later, like I guess you could argue there's somewhat like adult joke when he Zordon says, "Have you guys ever morphed before?" Which actually I thought that was hilarious when he's just like, "Have you ever morphed before?" It's like what what. But then that Zach answers, oh, only in the shower. So, okay, yeah. you know, like, yeah, those are like adult jokes. But I, who, that's, that's really it. And then even the thing about, like, the, the sexting scandal or the, you know, the pictures, like, people, I've seen a couple people say that that's a little too mature. But I didn't, I don't know, man. I felt like this is something we talked about earlier. But they really were, they these really just do feel like the things teens are going through right now. Mm-hmm. And if anybody pays attention to, like, you know, what's kind of big in teen culture right now, that whole that whole idea of like, you know, revenge porn and, and sexting and cyberbullying is like what kids are it, it's, experiencing. It's something right that now. the uh, adults in the audience are going to be like, oh, well, I never. But the, the young people in the audience are going to be like, yep, I get yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. So I thought it kind of made sense to be in there because this is it just locks it in a time and says that's this generation's story. Yeah. Um and you know what? This just kind of clicked with me. Trev, you know what this felt like? And Matt, well, I guess I think your wife watches them, so you might be able to pick it up, uh, what I'm about to say. But this really felt like almost like uh, a CW DC show in a way. You know, Well, it, it felt like a CW Power Rangers show. Right, yeah. And, and I think that yeah. that's really... And that will turn some people off, but uh, I would watch a CW Power Rangers show. Oh, I would watch so. the hell out of that. Um, yeah. <laughs> And I mean, like saying that this is, but I guess where I'm going with this is kind of the overblown claim that this is a grim and gritty version of Power Rangers. I wouldn't say this is any darker or less like uh, kid friendly or whatever than a show like The Flash. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, for sure. It, one thing we haven't actually talked about, by the way, is the uh, the cut romantic scene between Kim, Kimberly, and Jason. 
the the kiss that was in the trailer, but they actually cut for the film. It was actually cut uh, because it did not do well with test audiences. Hmm. So they they said that it, it kind of took away from the idea that. Well, th- that that was the whole idea where, where Kimberly was telling Jason about the mistake that she had made, and then all of a sudden they they go to kissing, and so like it felt like it was robbing her of the the scene important the importance of that scene where she's confessing what she did and she's taking blame and ownership of it, and then they go to kissing, so it felt like out of place, which I would agree with. I actually like the fact that they left that on the cutting floor. Yeah, especially in that moment, I, I do think. I mean. I feel like if we if this turns into a franchise, they're not they're not going to be able to resist some kind of relationships, and that happened in the show too. Eventually, um, especially if if we do get like you know a male Tommy Oliver, we'll talk about that I'm sure a little later. Um, I feel like Lionsgate, man, with the, they they were they're still trying to find their next Hunger Games, right? And uh, and Twilight. And they're not going to resist the opportunity to have a love triangle <laughs> in their like teen franchise, you know. But in terms of this just being the origin film, it's pretty cool that there's no romantic story and that it really is just about no, they have to come together as friends. Yeah, like, they and, have to and just I, become I mean, a unit. And there's enough there to hint that they're attracted to each other. Like when he's watching her, you know, dive off the the mm-hmm. waterfall and, and stuff like that. So like the the seeds are planted for that um but i mean yeah i I don't think we needed a kiss and i that's what i don't i don't like when they force something like that because you can always tell um like at the end they just all respect each other you know they all like each other like uh, a a movie that i know me and trev both love is uh edge of tomorrow with tom cruise have you seen that matt I'm not. I need uh, to. It's on, yeah. it's on my, my ever-growing list. Yeah, shocker. But there's a scene where he, <laughs> he kisses the female protagonist, and it just seems like, you didn't have to do that. It just seems so unearned. And I remember yeah. um, uh, Guillermo del Toro filmed kind of two endings to Pacific Rim, one where Raleigh and Mako would kiss, and the other where after the big battle they would just kind of put their heads together, like, you know, just like, and he went with that one. And I was just like, you know, I'm so glad that they didn't kiss, you know, because you yep. can always tell when a moment like that feels forced. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess one minor complaint is the the part because that whole scene we're talking about is Kimberly goes to Jason's house and she's like, I think I'm the reason I can't morph because I have all this baggage I haven't expressed. I do think that maybe knowing that the scene originally had them kiss, I think maybe they could have reshot that to be in the the campfire. I feel like that's something that she should have shared with the entire group. It feels weird well, I don't that know, only Jason I mean, knows. Yeah, I, I somewhat agree with that, but it, it does like in the moment in the campfire where she like it's her turn. She's like, no, not now. Just you know, I'll I'll say later. It does sell like the severity of what she did, right? Because yeah. she kind of does have the the most to atone for. Yeah. I just think the whole group should have heard that, especially if, you know, the whole point is to get them all to link together. But, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, whatever. That's kind of a nitpick, I guess. Yeah. Um, so. Bird, really quickly, because Matt, uh, Matt said earlier that um, Billy was his favorite. Like, who was your favorite? I'm just kind of curious. Um, I did really like Billy just because he, he kind of stole any scene he was in. Um but uh, I also I, I really li- it's it's hard to pick between Billy and Zach. Um, I don't, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. The, you know, the main three are Jason, Kimberly, and Billy. Trini and Zach didn't really get as much screen time, but no, they they even come in a little later. Yeah, I, but yeah. I really liked the. I don't know. I just really thought the movie did such a good job of you know having him be this cocky 
almost douchey bro type. And then later you kind of find out, you know, that he's he's got a lot of struggles that well, he's that, going that's through. The, and, that's the thing is like... Uh, and the stuff oh, with him, the scenes with him and his mom really... They're really good. Everything yeah. about him in, in a way that that uh, you don't see that type of... He has a warmth to him in those scenes that you don't really get from any of the other characters. And I think that that's something that stood out really to me. Yeah, it was interesting because I, I of the five, right? Because like we'll we'll put Cranston and Banks aside because that's a whole other level. But of the five newcomers here, I don't think there's any denying or any doubt that Billy is the best performance in the film. I think it's like he it's just a a, a really good performance of someone on the spectrum and and making that you know very realistic. I would actually say this is going to sound weird, but stick with me. I think Ludi Lin, who plays Zach might actually be the worst performance in the film and yet he's my favorite and what i mean by that is <laughs> he, he's kind of like comes across like this most stiff in a way like that he is um there's something kind of somewhat unnatural about the way he delivers lines but that kind of makes him more interesting like he has a he has a very interesting screen presence and i think you're right bird that like he walks that very fine line of it's very easy and we've all seen it to have that kind of character in a movie and try to have like the Oh, the rebellious punk with the with a heart, right? And it just completely fails, and they just end up seeming like a douche or being unlikable. But man, they got it right on this one, where he's kind of like you know cocky and kind of a dick to them at the beginning, but you are kind of on his side pretty quickly, and you actually start to start to get him. And then, as you said, when they reveal the stuff with his mom, and when he bears his heart at the at the bonfire, he just totally won me over. And at that point, yeah. I was like, yeah, this guy's the best. And uh, uh, I, I think... Uh, it, I, it, I just feel weird saying stuff like this about a Power Rangers movie, but a less thoughtful movie would have just paid lip service to that, but we actually get several scenes of him interacting with his mother, and mm-hmm. they, they feel very real. Yeah. Um, so, I guess before we give our ratings, two things that I want Trev to edumacate us on um uh one is um this this movie went through several scripts and like any blockbuster but i think the one that's been the most publicized probably because the writer is very outspoken for better or worse is uh the max landis script which um mm-hmm. i don't know too much about but um you're you're very uh i guess aware of what it was trying to do it's not you've read most of it so I guess what what was that script like, and how does it compare to the one we got? So it's it's fairly interesting because it's it's very different, but you can see some of the things that Max Landis created that they definitely decided to keep and hold over. Which is probably Here, why they, he he was originally had a credit, but he fought. Yeah, his name I mean, off of it. looking. So I I reread a bunch of the script today. I wasn't able to get through all of it, but I have read the whole thing before. Um, but I was reminded that there are definitely elements that they kept, and so I can, yeah, I can see why they felt like they were they were probably like, man, we should have his name on it. Well, what but he did wanted. They keep? Get so he actually he actually came up with the idea. His script is where we're told of the idea of Rita and Zordon being Power Rangers, and Rita turning on the team and and massacring them. So that really that comes from the Landis script. Um, so and that's kind of the the biggest thing that they retained is the kind of rewritten origin of those characters. Um, but beyond that, really, really different. And here's what I'll say is um, I know he's a divisive figure. Um, Bird and I kind of tend to disagree on him. I like I, lo- Max I, I, I think he's a good writer and I think he's smart. I just think he is a little too much. <laughs> he's a bit much at times, I won't deny. But um, 
I've read a lot of Max Landis' scripts. I think he's a really, I, I really like reading his scripts. And in a lot of cases, the scripts that he's written that then get made into movies, you know, he'll get on Twitter and talk about how the scripts were better. And people like make, you know, people get mad at him for saying that. But then I'll go read them and like, oh, he's right. Like his, his Victor Frankenstein script is definitely better than the film that was made. Um, that So when I read his script, I'm like, oh, cool, a Max Landis Power Rangers script. Uh, I'm really glad we got the movie we got. Really? instead of his script yeah it's it's but here's the thing like what he was going for was he was really trying to make something more in line with the show and so he's really selling the over the top um not goofiness right because he, he tries to make like he makes goldar uh into like a more scary figure which actually i would have been kind of fine with in this like if like you know like a that is kind of it could be terrifying right this giant blue lion monkey thing wearing a suit of armor but he really sells him as like monster. And then his version of Scorpina, who's in his film, is he says he describes her as being kind of like a female predator with an actual scorpion tail. And they're this like so like Goldar, Scorpina, Squat, and Babu um, are part of a group called the Dominators in his script that are come to Gangel Grove and are just like tearing through the town. Um the way he plays the team is quite different in that. So this, what we just talked about how we were so happy that there's no relationships in this. You guys would really go crazy with the Max Landis script because in his, Billy and Kimberly are exes. Um, they were dating and Kimberly actually left uh, Billy to go date this guy named Tommy Oliver. They just say that once in the script. And now she's just come back into town. And um, throughout the film, her and Billy kind of end up back together. And then... Trini and Jason are a couple and they have also broken up right before the movie starts, but we see them come back together too. So by the end of the film, four of the Power Rangers are dating each other. And meanwhile, Zach is just dating this girl named Angela, who's a cheerleader, who's also kind of a side character. I take it this is this version of Billy isn't, you know, as, uh, you know. No, it's even like he says he's kind of like he says in the script that he describes him as says you, you could call him a nerd, but that's not exactly right. And I don't even feel like that comes across that much in the script. He doesn't even feel that nerdy. He just feels like a less popular high school kid than the other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, his version of Kimberly is quite different. Like it really that's one error. And this is weird because I don't feel like it's something Max Landis usually does. But it really feels like him trying to write to what like he would expect a studio to want. Because the Kimberly Hart in his script is kind of she's like this punk girl that drives this like muscle car Trans Am and has pink highlights in her hair, wears a leather jacket. And when she comes back into town, everyone's like, oh, Kimberly Hart. Because we find out that for the last few months, she's been off um, dating like a 35-year-old guy in a band, and now she's come back. Um, so yeah, it's it's stuff like that. And then th- I guess what I've noticed is one of the reasons I think they didn't use his script is he went for it, man. This is a script that there's no way they could have made this for $100 million. Um, his is full of action from the beginning to end. There's a scene where like when Zordon for like Zordon reveals that the Zords have been hidden on earth and waiting for the power Rangers to come back. And he's like, well, we need one. We need to activate one Zord to call the other ones. And the only one he can find is the Tyrannosaurus Zord, which, um, turns out to be in the rainforest. And he actually like teleports Jason and Zach to the rainforest and they have to fight these like revolutionary or these like criminals that are in the rainforest to get the Zord. <laughs> and that's like in the middle of the film. Meanwhile, throughout this whole sequence, like the dominators are like destroying uh, angel Grove and they have to fight them. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's big. It's like super big. The one thing he did that was kind of interesting that is fun, but I can see why the studio would have put the kibosh on this too is that they're all just kind of randomly handed the power coins. Like in this Zordon, it just kind of, 
gives them the power, power coins just because he has to. He's like, well, I need somebody to protect the Earth while I'm trying to call Zordon. And this is trying to send out a distress signal to call the other Power Rangers in the galaxy. And he's like, until they get here, I just need someone to do it. So you kids take these coins. And they just kind of randomly grab them. And there's a fun moment where the first time Zack activates his coin, it turns out that he grabbed the pink one and Zack is the pink ranger. And then Kimberly (laughs) is actually the black ranger. And at the end of the movie, they're like kind of uh, Zach is still asking her, can we please switch coins? And she's like, ah, well, I'll think about it. And that's how they kind of that's the joke they end on. But I thought that was kind of a neat little take. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I think people who like Power Rangers and who like Max Lannis, if you fall into either of those groups, go online, find it. He posted it. It's it's available to download. It's an interesting read. It's just an, it's like another, you know, different take on Power Rangers. But he does not. I guess what I meant about why he's it, it's. It's it's bigger than the show and it's a little bit more raw than the show, but it doesn't have the focus on the characters that we're all raving about with this one. Which is weird because he, he's usually such a character. Yeah, that's what I think. And but I think in this he felt like he was. He's like, well, I'm trying to make a big dumb kids movie right yeah. now. He realized that's not what they were going for. So in his script, like they become the Power Rangers pretty quickly, and we're just don't, we're just thrust into action really quickly, and they're all kind of one note like the way they were in the show. And looking at back, and I'm like, yeah, I guess his had more action, and that's nice, but. I cared about the kids way more in the movie we got than I do in his script. Yeah. Um, that's out there. Also out there is a very bizarre concept design for Rita. Um, that Yeah, like I said, he really plays the villains as more like they're monsters. Yeah. You know? And um, you, you, know, you, you know the the what I'm talking about, the one that he had Matt Frank design. Mm-hmm. It's very... It, it, it's like you said, it, it is a monster, <laughs> you know, it's, it's almost like a xenomorph wearing like <laughs> Rita Repulsa's clothes. Like, yeah. uh, it's very, very bizarre. Um, and I, yeah, even on a budget level, <laughs> that thing sounds like it would have to cost a billion dollars. Um, but yeah, that, that Matt Frank concept arts out there, that scripts out there, um, if you use the interwebs, I'm sure you can find them easily. Was weren't you also? You were saying the the Pink Ranger was male. Was yeah, that, Zach is the Pink Ranger. Yeah, does that really come out? Like, is it like a Reservoir Dogs kind of thing where he's like, "Why do I have to be pink?" Yeah, it's like it's a pretty funny moment. Like, it, it happens in the rainforest sequence. That's the first time he activates his power coin, and he like it's supposed to, it, it, the way Max Landis writes it is it's supposed to be this like because he's I think he's like one of the he's like the third or fourth one we see activate their coin, and it's supposed to be this like really badass moment. And then he stands up and he's in pink armor, and he's like, "Wait, what?" And he looks at Jason. And he's like, "Why'd you give me the pink one?" Jason's like, "I don't know. The the colors aren't on the coins. I just gave you whatever." And he's like, "Well, we're gonna talk about this later." And then that so that's and then it runs through the rest of the film, but. I don't. I, I like the idea. I think it's yeah. something I'm surprised hasn't happened in one of the shows yet. You know, just to kind of you know, you know, make that a little interesting change. But yeah, we'll see. Um, <laughs> this is kind of unrelated, but I just remembered. I forgot to talk about it. Zach actually going back to Zach in in the movie. He actually did have one of the <laughs> what I thought was one of the funniest parts where zordon's like you're power rangers and he's like did you just say we're power rangers and zordon's like yeah and he's like are there any do you have any questions and he's like no (laughs) i thought that was (laughs) i thought that was really funny um okay so you prefer the version we got that's 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 yeah by far by far actually um also trev the the other thing i wanted you to 
discuss was apparently there's a a, a sequel comic or graphic novel mm-hmm. that you yeah you, you so want. right now boom studio is kind of um has the rights to power rangers and have been doing a new monthly power rangers comic that is um it's a mighty morphin power rangers comic book that's uh using the old original versions of the characters but they also just put out a com- a graphic novel called power rangers aftershock which is an authorized sequel story to this movie and I was uh, able to read it the other day. And I'm actually, for anyone who enjoyed the movie, for you guys and our listeners who liked it, I'm going to recommend it. I actually really liked it. It's written by Ryan Parrott. And uh, I think that's how you say his name. Maybe Parrott. I Is can't he an actual Parrott? Maybe. Um, but I like this. It's not super long. You can read it really quickly. Uh, but what it really feels like is, you know, I said earlier that this movie feels like a feature-length pilot. If that's what it was, then this then this book, Aftershock, really does feel like what episodes two and three would be of, like, a season of this, you know? Um, what's kind of cool about it is that it actually acknowledges the destruction that was caused in the final battle in the film. So when it starts, we actually see that there are now refugee camps in Angel Grove, people whose homes were destroyed and who are looking for missing family members are staying in these camps. The town is really kind of overwhelmed by this. The police are kind of trying to handle it. And we're still in the initial weeks of them first becoming the Power Rangers. And the storyline in this is that it's revealed that when they destroyed Goldar, all of the gold seeped into the ground and there's still like some of Goldar's consciousness in this gold. And so it's kind of randomly creating putties all over Angel Grove that are just have like they're not super smart. They just have a, a tiny inkling of the Goldar intelligence. So they know that they're tr- they hate the Power Rangers and they know they're trying. They have like this anger towards the town. And so that's what they're kind of they're doing. They're like on mop up duty now where they're going around fighting these things. Um, and then meanwhile, there's these two characters who are these two um kids that are the same age as the power rangers and this is where we get into this idea of like still being kind of serious it's revealed that you know how billy in the film says that his dad died in a mining accident mm-hmm. yeah well these are two twins who their dad their parents uh were also killed in that same mining accident and the town kind of never really helped them with that they were left on their own after that and we found out they actually became homeless and they show that like the, they would they're on the street begging for money and people just walk by and now they're angry because after this event with the the Power Rangers Goldar battle, suddenly like all these charities are coming in and taking care of the town. Refugee camps are set up, and they're like, "Well, why didn't anyone care about us when you know we had a tragedy? No one tried to help us." And the the brother of the two of the duo, it's a brother and sister. He finds a putty that when he touches it, it somehow bonds with him, and he becomes like a half human, half putty. And he can remember, like like I said, in his mind, he's like, for some reason, I know I hate the Power Rangers and I'm going to take them out. And so it's this interesting story about the, the Power Rangers having to fight these two siblings that have this anger towards them and the town and whether, you know, they're somewhat sympathetic because you can kind of get where they're coming from. And I was telling Bird this, too. Interestingly enough, I don't know if, like... If they were told anything of what they're planning for future movies, or if I wonder if they're going to do a comic series, because they actually introduce these characters that feel like the kind of thing you introduce when you have more stuff planned. This like group shows up that poses FEMA at first. They, they tell the town they're there to just um, you know help out and everything. But the whole time you can tell there's something sinister with them. They, they seem to be trying to actually find the Power Rangers and track them. And at the end, they reveal that they're actually a government organization called Apex. And they're kind of set up as like they tell the Power Rangers, like, look, we're here to, you know, our job is to make sure alien stuff doesn't, you know, mess up the earth. We know that you were basically helping, but we have our eyes on you. You know, if you step out of line, we'll come back and 
so it seems like almost like a secondary kind of you know characters to have be like oh the government liaison to the power rangers but uh but overall i like it i think there's a lot of interesting stuff in there it's you get to see the first moment that the power rangers introduce themselves to the the angel grove police and kind of make their case for while we're heroes there's some nice more character building stuff jason's whole storyline is that he still doesn't feel like he's like an actual leader and he's the rest of the team's not really listening to him yet because everything he knows about being a leader he's learning from watching like um war movies on tv and just saying the things they say there's a fun not a fun moment there's an interesting moment where Zach screws up during a rescue operation and two people almost die because of him. And he starts to feel really bad about that. And he's questioning whether he should be a power ranger. There's a lot crammed in here and it's, it's actually really good. Huh? So I'd say people should check it out. Sounds good. Yeah. That's yeah. those are, uh, some of those are ideas that like I are sound like off the wall things. I wouldn't have expected a sequel to this to do. <laughs> Yeah, it's good because it's like I said, it's the kind of story that wouldn't justify a whole movie, but it feels like an episode or a couple episodes of a TV show. Yeah, that that's pretty interesting. And yeah, because you know, a lot of the times, uh, kind of like the novelizations to movies, stuff like like the tie-in stuff is is done like a lot of the time before they even have like a finished script. So yeah, I'm wondering mm-hmm. kind of how in tune the authors were with what the movie was doing, or maybe. It, anything that they might want to do in the future or what, but I don't know. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like to me, cool. yeah. Cause to me, it really, it really reads like a pretty, like uh, reading it a couple days after seeing the movie, it really felt like, Oh man, this is like a direct continuation. Yeah. Huh. Um, interesting. Well, um, I guess before we, you know, give our ratings. So we, uh, we have our, our mid credit scene that, mm. uh, is Tommy Oliver's desk. Um, and jacket and ja- and gr- a green jacket. However, he is not at his desk because he hasn't been cast yet. Um, now, uh, I mean, I, I think that was almost a no-brainer. Hearing, you know, oh, here's a Power Rangers movie, no mention or anything of Tommy. You, you know, there's going to be a post-credit scene with Tommy. <laughs> you know, now, um, uh, do you guys? think um i guess i guess the cast has said they would like tommy to be uh, a female um and uh i guess i just kind of want to feel you guys out on how you you would feel about it if if they went that route i mean for me if you're gonna do a if you're gonna do a power ranger story that is heavily borrowing from the original source material and doing like and playing a lot of taking the the original show and doing a lot of like the original six or five part arc with Tommy and, and the and the Rangers. I kind of prefer they they keep it a male because that's like what the character was. But if you're gonna do something totally different and new, then like I don't care either way. What I'm more honestly concerned about is that they give us a good story overall. And, and I would feel the same way about Rita. Like if they made Rita and they, they called it, a, they made Rita a guy and they called him Rito or something for, for really no reason. And they just wanted to make him a guy. Like I feel the same way. I mean, I think that's dumb. Well, I mean, Rito was your brother. Well, I'm just saying like in, yeah. in general, if, if you like, if you were to take a character and you're trying to bring him from the, bring a character from the show into the movie and you're trying to make that character pay tribute to the original character, I kind of want him to, to be as close to the original as you can be within reason. So like from my perspective, 
I would like Tommy to be a guy, if you're especially if you're gonna keep it in tune with the show. But if you're gonna do like a totally new story, then then okay. It's just a Green Ranger. Like there's no reason to necessarily have it be male. But like, I mean, that's just kind of how I feel about it. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I definitely. I mean, we've already changed. I mean, they've changed so much. I mean, Billy is an African American autistic. Trini is a Latina lesbian. Uh, like, I mean, there's so much that it's like it's almost like a why have kind of like a well why stop now attitude towards it. Um, mm. The only thing I I feel like the studio might feel like. Uh, where they feel like they might have like a, a kind of a handicap is just that Tommy is by far like the most popular character that the show's ever had. So maybe they would feel like this is a, a character, like a legacy character that we have to kind of keep a little bit more, I guess, true to what it was. Um, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't have a preference really. Um, uh, and I mean, I, I mean, I I do also think though, I think that Jason and Kimberly is kind of the logical coupling that kind of needs to happen in the future movies. I think that's kind of set up. Um, and I mean, uh, Lionsgate and everyone involved has already come out and said they take great pride in showing these autistic and gay superheroes. And I mean, uh, bring in Tommy and have a female Tommy date the, the yellow Ranger date Trini. So, I mean, there's a lot that (laughs) you can do. I'm actually, yeah, I, I hadn't, I hadn't even thought about it until I saw the stuff with the cast throwing that idea out there. And I'm, I'm actually all for it. I mean, I'm not, if they just do Tommy the traditional way, I'm not going to complain, right? You just said it's a, it's a famous character. So that's, that's valid. But when I started to think about it, first of all, I'm with them on just a pure level of, okay, three and three, three girls, three guys. That makes sense. But then also, when I started to think about it, Bird, you're kind of dead on in that at this point, the main reason I'd be all for having Tommy be a girl is so that we don't have to sit through the inevitable love triangle that I know Lionsgate probably is, like, salivating over. (laughs) And if we could, like, avoid that and just have Jason and Kimberly be kind of a couple and have a female Tommy, um, I I think that'd be kind of cool. And I I do think, like, like, to address the idea of Tommy being such a legacy character is if you make that change and present a completely different version of Tommy, that's again, really saying like, well, this is our power Rangers now. Like we're breaking free of that. We're putting our stamp on this as like a new version. And so the, 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 the thing with that is you got to make a Tommy that doesn't just feel like another Trini, right? Since she's already kind of like the badass girl. Um, so it's, you just have to figure that out, but I'd be all for it. Yeah, I guarantee. I guarantee you right now that Jason David Frank is calling Lionsgate, saying, "Hey, I could still play Tommy." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's probably like he's like fifty years old and like dressed like a high schooler. It's like that Steve Buscemi Thirty Rock scene. Like, hey, how's it go? How's it do, kids? You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, 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 do you guys think it's weird that he got a cameo even though Tommy's not in the movie? I don't think it's weird that he got a cameo because, like you said, he is the one who stuck with it the longest and feels like the most connected to it because he just kind of never gave it up, you know. But it made me when he showed up and with Kimberly as the cameos, it made me feel awkward that the rest of them didn't have cameos. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and like they weren't even asked, apparently, from what I can tell. I feel like they all should have been. Yeah. Um, So I guess 
the movie did pretty well for opening up against the second week of Beauty and the Beast, which swept, buried everything. And also with, I mean, we have Logan, we have King Kong out there. People are still getting out to see those. And it, it still managed to pull in about $40 million. Uh, Budget was $100 million. It still has yet to open in other territories. Um, they've said that they want to do six movies. I don't know if we're going to get that far, but uh, I, I feel like a sequel is... Uh, it's looking like it could be in the cards easily, a part two. Like I said, not through six just yet. But um, So, I mean, where do you guys want to... I obviously, bring, it, bring in Tommy, but where, where do you guys think we should go next? And, and also, I guess my follow-up question to that would be... Do now that now that the movie has settled us in and made made us realize it's it is still indeed Power Rangers. Do we stick with the kind of more grounded stuff from the first half, or do we just go all crazy like the the last act of the movie? I think you can still do both. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I want to see the characters continue to develop. I think that's the main thing that kept me interested in this movie. Um, but I also would like to see a bigger emphasis on some of the action sequences, because to me, that's what Power Rangers was for me as a kid. So like, I would like to see a a greater emphasis on that. Uh, As far as the Green Ranger goes, I think there's a lot of things you could do with that character. I mean, obviously you could bring Rita back and have her introduce a Green Ranger and and say, Hey, I was a Green Ranger. I'm going to train you to be the new one and, you know, try try to wreak havoc and fight the Power Rangers and stuff. There's a, there's a bunch of crazy possibilities there. Um, I don't know if six movies is going to happen, but I can see like two or three for sure, depending yeah. on how it does. Like especially in China, once it opens up. Well, here's. I mean, the... you, you go ahead, Trev. You hate to be predictable and obvious, but there's an obvious trilogy st- sitting in front of you, right? Of the second movie being the Green Ranger, and then the third movie being Lord Zed. I mean, yep. it's just like it's the yep. obvious it's the obvious route to go. Um, and in this case, I wouldn't complain about it. Like it's because as long as you're doing your different version each time, then I'm not going to complain about it. We got a different Rita. I assume their Tommy Green Ranger will feel different, and then I assume their Lord Zed will be different. And so I'd be perfectly fine with that. And I'd also be fine with that being it. Um, I don't need to aim don't aim for six. That's crazy, guys. Let's just try and get through two. Let's see about three, and then let's we can stop there. You know, because honestly, too, do you guys think? Um, let's say like this this kept getting bigger, and like the sequel somehow you know actually surpasses this one, and then it can grow as a franchise. Do you agree that with a show with that you know twenty a twenty five year history and so many reinventions, is it kind of weird that they're just like so locked into Mighty Morphin? Like, why not start bringing in stuff from some well, of the yeah, other that's iterations? That's the thing. Like, if it goes to six, like you got to remember, the Japanese Super Sentai series is in its forty first series right now, <laughs> and Power Rangers I think is in its twenty fourth. So I mean, there's plenty of history to draw from. Now, if they go through six, that's the thing. Is like, are they going to stick with the Mighty Morphin run, or will it be like the show where you know different people drop out and come in? And I mean, yeah, they, it's they, weird. they already use the Zeo crystal. To you know, it's name dropped and it's the MacGuffin of the movie. But I mean that that kind of sets up the possibility of bringing in a Zio team. Well, it's just weird to me because I feel like they're 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 trying to they want to use Money Morphin because they feel like oh that's the most nostalgic one because that's the one everyone remembers. But you have to think like by the time we get to a third or fourth movie, if it happens, you know that's what that's six seven years down the line. Um, this this like audience will have aged even more, and at that point, the audience you're targeting. 
they're not nostalgic for Money Morphin. They're nostalgic for Jungle Fury or for the Operation Overdrive or whatever these other ones were, you know, so why not try it? That's true. Like, um, well, Trev, our friend um, Tang, like he was telling me like when he was growing up, uh, I think um, like Dino Charge or or no, Wild Mm -hmm. Force. He said Wild Force was the one he knew. And then like he didn't watch the other stuff until like it got on Netflix. So like... Yeah. yeah, it's each generation is going to have its own thing. Yeah. Um, my my only concern about a sequel at this point is that if this movie only, I think they're going to do a sequel. I, I'll say that right now. I think it's going to when we once because it hasn't even opened internationally yet. We're only talking about domestic at this point. It's going to at least break even. I think it's going to make enough profit for them to to make a sequel simply because they're not going to want it to look like a failure. Lionsgate's pretty desperate for a franchise. They'll make a sequel just to say, hey, we have a franchise. But if if the international gross isn't huge, then they're not going to have much call to make a higher budgeted sequel. And if they do a part two that's also only have only has a one hundred million dollar budget, that means to what Matt was saying, I don't know that we will get much more action. You know, like I'm, I'm hoping this makes a lot of money internationally so that they're willing to throw another 40 million or so at the budget next time and give us. Uh, a mid-film action scene as well, in addition to the climax, you know? Yeah. yeah. I uh, I agree. Um, so, uh, it's just, yeah, I mean, if, if they, I just, I want, I don't want to get out of this until I see Lord Zed. I want to see an updated Lord Zed. Um, so, I guess the the ratings. Miles Teller is <laughs> the rating scale for this is obvious. How many Krispy Kreme donuts do you give this out of five? Oh man, Dude, this is um, tough. Does that, mean, what, does that mean like I have five Krispy Kreme donuts and I have to give up some? <laughs> it's uh well, see, but then you're gonna be like stingy. But then if I say you can eat that many, you're gonna like just give it all of them, right? Yeah, you're right. We can't win. All right, all right. You're gonna give them to the homeless. Well, no, that's gonna mess up. That's gonna make you look bad if you don't do all of them, right? <laughs> yeah. You can give uh, them to a hungry person who you like, but you're not hungry, so you don't want to eat them. All right. Well, Matt, what do you think? How many Krispy Kremes? Yeah, so I was going in expecting like one Krispy Kreme donut, and I walked out getting like a solid three, which which is. It, it really won me over, and it, it's it you know it's it's a solid movie. I mean, like I wasn't expecting that, so I was I was very pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I mean, out of, out of five, I mean, call me crazy, um, and people certainly have, but I'm going to give this four Krispy Kreme donuts. Um, now, on, a, on an honest, you know, practical level, it's probably more like a three and a half, um, but I give it a four just because what I personally tend to gravitate towards in these films is is characters. And I was just so pleasantly surprised and blown away by the fact that this was a character piece. And it, it really won me over. And so I give it a four just because it's more like, well, good on you guys. You yeah. did something I didn't expect and actually pulled it off. And it also kind of hits that, like, you like, I guess I should preface by saying, well done, like, young adult stories. And I think mm-hmm. that to, I guess, use your rating as a segue into mine, uh, I think that's what this does well. Um, it's definitely going, it's it's not going for, you know, the the five to eight, audience that the show did it's it is going for more like the the teen crowd the cw crowd the the ya crowd um and 
it it captures the the wacky camp that I like about Power Rangers, and it does the best possible way. It it does its absolute best at balancing that with a more modernized, grounded approach to the material. And more often than not, it works. Sometimes it doesn't work. Um, I'm I. The, I'm going to give it a three and a half. I think if I got a more um, accurate version of Goldar, like I said, I love Goldar. If I got uh, a more accurate version of Goldar, I think I would probably be able to meet him with that four. But it's a three and a half, and it's a really good three and a half. Um, yeah. And I, I think that a lot of the people that are skeptical about it um, have pretty good reasons, but I, I think that... Uh, it's at least worth a shot. I think if you're one of those fans that was skeptical about it, chances are, even if you don't like it at the end of the day, you'll find bits and pieces of it to like. Um, and I, I, I definitely think it's it's worth checking out. It's definitely no, think, a mo- it's definitely a movie I will watch again. Oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm, if uh, I'm gonna buy it. I, yeah, I can say that right I, now. I, I probably um, will too. I, and I wasn't expecting that to be honest. <laughs> no, me either. And <laughs> yeah, I, you I, bought I think, ape. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, I think Bird's rating is probably like the best one, really honest. Because I probably, I'll, I'll admit, I probably maybe overrated a little bit just for my because of my own. Well, I mean, interests. yeah, I mean, we, we go with. I the think gut maybe here. Matt underrated it because Matt's a grump and doesn't like Krispy Kreme or something. <laughs> but no, but three, a uh, three, three and a half, and four—that's a pretty good range for this film, I'd say. Yeah, um, it, it's a solid movie, you know, and I mean, just don't go in th- expecting it to be. You know something that it was it was never trying to be. You know is I guess what I would say. And also, I mean, if it, I I would recommend if you like the CW shows for the DC heroes, I think something like this would would play to your tastes. I honestly, I honestly, Bert, I hadn't even thought of that until you said it, and I think you're dead on. I think that's the best comparison. Is this is totally this is CW Power Rangers? Yeah. And take that for whatever it's worth, but Bert and I mean that in a good way. So yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to see what, what they decide to do next. Um, and, uh, yeah, (laughs) I think we all liked this movie way more than we thought we would. So that's, that's awesome. Um, uh, and yeah, that wraps it up. I guess, uh, April, you know, I, I, Trev, we have the mystery science theater new season coming out. So, um, Mm. you can expect some mystery science theater talk. Um, Matt and I have something very stupid coming up. We also have coming up our, uh, our episode just about the, our little, uh, Godzilla movie poll. And, um, I was planning on seeing Colossal this month until I found out it's only playing in New York and LA. Um, doesn't that just annoy you guys when you have a small movie and they don't tell you what theaters it's opening in drives me crazy road trip i'll tell you what annoys me um i was trying i still have not watched a trailer for that and i was like i'm just i because i'm excited for it no matter what and i'm like i'm just gonna avoid everything um and then they put the monster on the poster and i was like you bastards (laughs) (laughs) well uh trev since you're excited for that as well i'm assuming you'll be joining us for that too so um, that looks awesome whenever we actually get to see it yeah (laughs) Um, so no, exciting things up ahead. Oh, yes. Channing Tatum and, uh, Jonah Hill for Balkan Skull in the sequel. Oh, yeah. Dude, that would be amazing. 
We need to start a campaign right now. Yeah, let's make it happen. Change.org. Can you see those guys walking in with the Balkan Skull music playing? It would be fantastic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be great. It'd probably be like some cool like electric guitar version of it. But... <laughs> oh, I wonder if anyone's done that. Like, I need to hit YouTube and see, like, because you know people do like their their like. Oh, dude, somebody's done acoustic it. Acoustic yeah. covers yeah. or heavy or metal like covers the, or different or like different the, things. The Balkan Skull theme in like a minor key. Yeah. Oh, dude, I gotta find that. I, I'm, yeah. I'm I'm hitting YouTube after that. If I if I find <laughs> that, that is the music you will hear in a moment. But <laughs> no promises. Um. All right, well, that's that's all we got. Um, check out the movie.